Hi, it's Jack Hill here, and I'm listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House, and it's really very refreshing to hear this kind of a, this kind of an interview. And um, I hope you listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, been great fun. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios. Our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I'm your host, Dylan Rory. Today is part two with Chris Frieri. We talk about, well, we talk about a lot. Uh, he's had a life. Uh, let's just get into it. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so the, where the heck were we? <laughs> uh, I mean, I as far as... Oh, watching I these just... movies, it's great. You, you watch these things and, and enjoy them, and you, you, you know, if you know anybody who's interested in them, I'm happy, you know, it makes me, you know, it's nice that, that, any, that anybody watches it because they're truly I, obscure things. You know, Sweet Lorraine, I was hoping, it gave me a career arc. Which no, I'll definitely. Take, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm working. And then Freddie also, too, this guy, he spent many years and is married to uh, Barbara Broccoli, who is the, uh, yeah, on the producer. Uh, yeah. So he's like, you know, he's, he's not, you know, he's, <laughs> He's a cool guy, but I had some beautiful times with the guy. And, you know, he helped, he took me to this place that I, I couldn't have gone alone because it wasn't like I sure. was going to shop my script and, like, you know, go find some producer. He volunteered himself. He didn't really come through on the film at the end, you know, and that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. But I got to make Sweet Lorraine and really that, you know, so I like the movies or like whatever I'm doing, I like it enough. Where that was worth every dollar I lost on it. It was, you know, all the dignity that was lost about it. You know, all like the, uh, you know, uh, the stuff I had to suck up making it. You know what I mean? But yeah. I thought that those guys were worth. I had to suck up, but I had to suck up mostly on the set. But afterwards, mm -hmm. post production, I wasn't really like really prepared to suck up too much more. Now I was like ready to like carry on, like lock the doors, cut the thing, mix it, and get mm -hmm. it the fuck over with. And uh, it turned into like a real battle. They were trying to take my take the film away from me, like you know, oh. take the rights from it, like make me sign it over to them, like you know, mm -hmm. for X a few dollars, and like they were going to own it. And so it turned into a battle that went on. It was like a prolonged thing. It went on for, for close to five years, you know. And um, they started leaning on me, like uh, and they isolated me. They did all this stuff. It's like these people, you know, you hear about uh, oh the Nazis are marching here, like they're in the. There's all this, you know, all this stuff that militias running around and all this, like, oh, they're horrible. And uh, Hitler was a terrible guy. But, like, people who are, you know, they're supposed to be the opposite of that. You know, like, you go into a hierarchy or anything where, like, somebody's in charge or somebody has the most money or, like, has the most prestige. It's all, they, they behave in the same way. It's retaliatory. It's like... Uh, yeah all these like you know they, they, they play head games with you they try to like you know break your spirit but, but for whatever it's worth you know my spirit never broke <laughs> well good I carried on the movie was a complete failure no one's seen it and um no one still had no one still has it they, they still haven't looked at it but and so but that said i have like zero regrets about it so that's all that matters right the best thing really about it it's like you know i, I you know you, you screwed the film you know you like left me hanging out here without any like you know any promotion or anything this thing like every film that these guys ever made was was reviewed in the new york times 
mm-hmm. his film, no review in the New York Times. And once that happened, and they closed me out right. of IndieWire too. The lady at IndieWire promised to write, I'll write a review for it myself. I really liked the film. But when it came time to do it, she said, oh, I couldn't get an interview with Tatum, so I can't write the review. She refused me an interview. And I'm like, oh, that's a good excuse. Thanks. Yeah. But after that happened, there was nowhere for me to go with it. It ended up being reviewed in a couple of uh, fanzines, mm-hmm. like the Pittsburgh Inquirer, like, you know, this kind of stuff. It went to a couple of strange places where it's like, there's nothing you Were you able to take it to any... it, it was like the high point of my film life, you know? Well, sure. It was great, you know, it was great. I, I wouldn't so... trade as miserable as it was. The food was terrible. <laughs> I was like at the top of like, I was so happy being there. Usually craft services is the one thing you can count on on a bigger budget oh, film. Man, I was living off a of Twizzlers. <laughs> and I've never eaten one since, but I haven't eaten one since and I never will again. But, but, uh, my, girlfriend's a, my girlfriend's a movie makeup artist and we just recently watched a low budget when she worked on it. She goes, yeah, the craft services for this was Pop-Tarts. So. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, it was sort of like that. There, I think there was some Pop-Tarts present for this, but they, they served up some really horrible stuff and it was... Ugh. You know, it makes for an unhappy, uh, unhappy people all over the place. And, you know, yeah. so I didn't know, but going into it, I thought people were really thinking, and you know, this is how naive I am, really. Like, I think people are thinking, like, you know, what's going to benefit the film? What's right. Make the crew, a better crew, you know, what's going to make the cast a happier cast? You know? Right. Didn't like, you know, they didn't consider that. They liked all the conflict and that. And it's like. I wasn't really used to that kind of environment. My environment I worked in was always like, we're all on the same page here. We're doing yeah. just like kind of like for the, you know, for the same reason you know, you're doing me a big favor, but like, you know, you've chosen to. So like, you know, we're all going to, we're all cool. And it was like that. You'd have some problems when it got mm-hmm. to be four in the morning or whatever. People are right. drinking or things are going on, <laughs> whatever's happening. But, but it was like amongst, comrades we were like together yeah. doing this and uh but this thing here you know it was, it was a different environment and it was like you know it wasn't comfortable i don't think for anybody really uh um but you know but but like i said it was worth doing and i'm really really happy for it whatever happens and i'm gonna run into freddie one of these days because he's turning 70 and Diva Hasi will be turning a 59 any day now and uh, I'll talk to them down there. I haven't spoken to either of them. But Fred, Fred, six, seven years ago, Dive, I haven't spoken to in 10 years or more. Oh. I'm going to talk to them down the road because uh, I don't want them to think I forgot them. You know, Freddie's yeah. coming. And I do love the guy, you know, because as poorly as he behaved, he was a revelation of a guy. You know, he was smart and, uh, you know, he knew a lot. He was, you know, he was lucky, like, really lucky to know him, even the. Uh, you know, even if he ended up really kind of screwing the film and everybody really disrespecting <laughs> every person on the set and all the actors and else, but that's, you know, that's on him. But yeah, I, I know that I put everything I could into it, uh, everything I had. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, yeah, having pretty having good, seen your good. early stuff, I mean, it, what I, my expectation for it is, it will be interesting if nothing else. And that's to me is, I'd rather see an interesting film than a f- another fucking three-hour MCU <laughs> oh, laser battle, yeah. you know? Oh, Show me yeah. an interesting short film. I will be there for so, it. I, you know, I kept it to like TV time at 90, you know, it's like 87 minutes, you know, it's like, so yeah. it's 
it doesn't linger really perfect it, no movie should be more than 90 minutes if it takes more than 90 minutes you need an editor yeah yeah <laughs> or, or write a novel, you know, write yeah. a novel. but the uh, the uh, yeah the it's a little top you know i i look at it now and it's like it's a little top heavy mm-hmm. it's just all these characters so it's like the, you know so let's say it's 90 minutes long takes 35 minutes to like okay now here we are the plot is now in front of us now <laughs> you're right that much time to like you know now we see where we're going from here and then it like spirals and it's you know it comes to life then like in the second half of the movie and it's like a lot of cross-cutting a lot, a lot of different situations going on at once the last night of it like it's like we go to this room we go to here we go to like whatever all the characters are doing so it picks up its pace but um so you know to me it, it, it's it's you know it's all there. It's just mm-hmm. missing pieces of it uh, that, that should have been there. Uh, there were some nice scenes that just never got shot. But, but the, the film, I, you know, you know, see what you think of it. But you, yeah. you don't have to be, a, you don't have to be polite with me. Uh, you know, you don't have to tell me it's great. You think it sucks. <laughs> oh no, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, you know already then. <laughs> I don't, you know. I'll be, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not kissing your ass when I say no, like no, the stranger no, no, was. No, no, I, I enjoyed the stranger. It was fascinating to watch The Stranger. I, I, you know, it, it, as it went along, when it suddenly cuts to the golf bro film, the old <laughs> Bell and Howell, I'm like, I don't know what he's doing here, but it's fucking well, interesting you know, as hell. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I have a feeling I'm going to have to explain that uh, coming up on Monday. But the, what's happening there is that that Bell and Howell, the, the, the golf scene was supposed to be a metaphor for like uh, sodomy and rape. <laughs> well, you put it you figure it out <laughs> but that's what it was supposed of to course. be i know what and i'll tell you how it works and this is like my you know this is what happened to me this is what i learned in school is he opens up the closet like the girls in the closet right he opens it up and it's like this tight like crotch shot a mark. it's a really tight shot i was fascinated by how you got that but there is then it cuts to a shot of a golfer a tight crotch up of the botcher uh, the, the golf right holding his club in front of his crotch you know like it's a um, dick kind of so i got that it said you okay, know you it said part. firm up on your grip and i yeah, thought okay this is this is going somewhere and then and then it just goes into the the golf pro movie i'm like okay but what? then at the end of it so it goes back to it a second time and at yeah. the end of it then you see like this uh he's like there's a stance and he hits it and you see like this white line go yeah like that's the come Jizz. Got <laughs> that's it. the money ah. shot <laughs> <laughs> this is what i'm thinking i'm usually think attuned to that much ever, too. yeah but anybody yeah anybody who's ever watched it no way you know, i'll tell well, what is the golf shot and i'll explain the same thing what i just told you and like yeah it's like i'm supposed to get that <laughs> okay <laughs> what the hell are you talking about like a metaphor for rape i mean <laughs> that's what it is yeah yeah no i uh and golf as I'm you sure say it, now I see going it. on in the golf circuit i mean jesus there's gotta be something anybody. going on i don't know gotta be boring yeah um but but the other thing that stood out and this is something that i will i high praise for is that i could hear everything and that is a miracle something (laughs) that always gets fucked up in low budget movies no matter no matter what you can count on the sound being bad i could understand everything everybody said in every scene In, in all so, of them, in all of funny. them. It's funny because like uh, there was problems in those things. Like a lot of it, like the stranger was murky, but with 
final, I was on final cut at first. I think I cut those early, the Warbitrons and Mummy on, on final cut, but I'm going to do them on, I'm going to redo them on, on Adobe. But on final cut and Adobe, you can pump the sound up a little bit. It gives you this much okay. room at the top. Yeah. And it helped. I know it helped a lot because the old sound, like then, especially the sound, the squiggly little sound down the side mm -hmm. of a Super 8 print, it was like a complete, complete mess. Sure. Now, yeah, if you can hear it, I, I'm so happy to hear that because that was really like the problem always was like the sounds fucked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I expected so, that to be a struggle, but I was I was really and, amazed and by Mark, that. And all of in that accent, it's like um, it's like um, it's hard to take something. You know, some people like they hear that accent. Like, that that like, deep New York accent. Like marbles in your mouth, kind of a <laughs> voice. Yeah. Uh, and know who else he reminds me of too is Hans Hall meets uh, Alan Jenkins. <laughs> Alan Jenkins, yes. tremendous actor. Uh, so yeah, so that's the story, but it's like uh, ongoing, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying so to what, put together shooting the spring. But night, no, it won't be a horror movie though. It's going to be more of a documentary little thing. But okay, the, the other nice movie I would like to mention too is the the Coffin Joe film. You know, he was making his stuff in the '60s and '70s, and probably into the '80s. But he was a guy in Brazil. Who was like the king of all media he was radio he made records he made films he made television uh, shows yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah he could tap dance but the guy could do anything and in the 90s you saw his films they all came out on something weird video remember uh -huh. something weird i had lisa petrucci on here oh there you go oh, yeah that was a revelation in the 90s when those oh came out. i was like oh it changed my life yeah this i'm like suddenly life. i can find all the shit i've been getting bootlegged you everywhere else yeah yeah things you weren't the things you didn't even know existed yeah so but Coffin <laughs> Joe that's when I found him and then so like he was having his big push in the middle 90s he did those weird uh didn't he do some uh horror films like they were basically hammer ripoffs and and universal ripoffs of like the wolfman and stuff because uh, I, I there's definitely a Mexican wolf band that, that that plays around I've seen it on uh, like the horror channel I think it's called like um it's like a thing that's on google you can watch it it's i like think a, i think vinegar syndrome or one of those is doing some uh or maybe it was shop factory is doing some represses of those and some some restorations oh, his, yeah his movies are really something that though fred midnight i come for your soul i'm trying to think of the names of his films but like he did them like from black and white in the early 60s way into like the 70s yeah when they were like in yeah color, like bigger budgets but he played Coffin Joe, and the but anyway, right, he made an appearance on, on St. Mark's Place in 1995, like some summer day in June. Cool. And there he was, but he was uh, he was a beautiful guy. I couldn't speak a word of English, you know, but he was like uh, just great. He signed autographs for people. He had Very like, cool. the longest fingernails you've ever seen, but they were like this and curling <laughs> around. And I had a girlfriend at the time, like you know, he gave her a hug and like you know, take a picture together, and she's like looking at him, and she said. I've never seen so much earwax in one place. Uh, in my life. <laughs> that was a nice moment. Okay. And that was a film that I edited in the camera. I never cut it. I just like shot it in like real time, like in bits and pieces, like okay. seconds here and five seconds there. Cool. Uh, that's a good one. At the end, he takes his hat off and the film runs out. I left like a still frame of him showing off his bald head. You know, he's got a bald head. I got a bald head too. Yeah, me. Uh, <laughs> I had a little hair in those days still. Uh, not, you know, I wasn't sporting that much. It wasn't like Ricky Nelson, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
thin in, at the time, but like, yeah, but Coffin Joe, he had, he had less hair than anybody. And uh, he took off his like his costume and he put it in. I remember he had like a DD bag it was like a, like a, it was like a shopping, like a, you know, like a convenience store, or like a DD uh -huh. it's called. And he had a bag and he dropped his hat and his stuff all in there and uh, then he lit up a butt <laughs> and started smoking a butt. <laughs> Totally great, a great guy. Yeah. I mean, he's so talented too. I mean, when you see these things, it's like, you're like, holy fucking. He, but he was raised in a real Catholic country, you know what I mean? Yeah, All yeah. And I remember one point he takes a trip to hell. He has to go to Hades, you know. So he's down there running around in the caves of hell, you know. It's like red light and like you know this. Uh, but then like the walls open up and like these ass creatures come out and it's like people who are like bending over forward. And yes, faces like a nose sticking out of their ass, but it's their butt cheeks coming at you like they eat you or whatever they're going to do with you. Man, I'm you. having flashbacks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It stands out. Yeah. yeah, remember like uh, something we used to have like the uh, they'd have like uh, DVDs or videos of the trailers too. They'd have like yeah, the hundred trailers you'd watch, and I remember like that was an outstanding thing, like the ass monsters. Uh, yeah coming at you in hell going to hell I'm like there's ass people coming at you <laughs> you know what you got to look forward to right yeah mike rainey and lisa petrucci are national treasures as far as i'm oh, concerned yeah, they, they that. stuff they they that she's continued to do for him is amazing since he yeah. since he passed um I, I wanted to talk too a little bit about just your life in new york um like getting photographed by doris kloster how did that come around <laughs> well she you know, it's funny it's great so this I kind of got just from that I got the idea that you're probably hanging around with like that the weirdo elite of New York. <laughs> well, you know, they adopted me for for a hot few minutes, you know, or a few hours maybe, but like, you know, I, I by no means come from that, you know what I mean? But like Right, yeah. I you know, but there I was with Doris. She's another person I met through Diva. Okay. She had photographed Diva. You see Doris's book, Diva's pictures in there. Oh, she got a bunch of pictures in there. But uh, so I met her through her, and uh, I, you know, I spent a couple of months with her. But like, I think um, those pictures, yeah, I think we took them on my birthday. She took naked pictures of me, mm -hmm. and we put them on display when the when the, the Hearst movie and the window. I tell you today about the window too. But when the Coffin Joe movie played, they played at this place, the Frying Pan. It's on the waterfront, like uh, in New York, like um, in the twenties, twenty fourth Street, twenty fifth okay. Street still parked there. I passed it all the time um but it was like an old boat that that was sunk and they raised it and like they put it back together but it was like a party space for a while and I remember okay. I got a beautiful night in February it was a full moon out and uh we had the party and they, it was like a really nice party like a crazy party there was like a lot of crazies there but they had my like naked pictures or six foot naked pictures <laughs> like a folded a reflector like a uh, like a piece of glass in front of my dick like it made my dick look like it was like the size of your uh, you know your leg or something <laughs> and uh you know so yeah it was like my big night and it was great now the guy and, and i'll tell you the cast of the stranger and the stranger is getting nearer and dearer to me as i get older but that thing like uh the cast like a lot of them are dead now you know like a mm. lot of them died mark just died in december the guy playing the lead mm -hmm. He died of lung cancer. He made it to 59. Oh. And the guy, David, who played, the, he was dwarfing. And you notice, too, in The Stranger, no one has a name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just he was like Just the really big helpful. boss or something like that. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah the, the big guy. The, the big guy. The big guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one who gets anything, you know. But like, uh, which is, I, I say, like, I think back and go, like, I remember knowing when I did this. 
that like, oh, you've got to give the people a name. They have to have like a name so people can identify them that are watching this. I wasn't thinking about the audience in the slightest. It's like, <laughs> nobody gets a name. Said, the stranger, you know who the stranger is, whatever it even means. Um, but yeah, David, he, he hanged himself in 2004. Oh. He was out in Hollywood. And he was a guy who was in Heather's. If you ever see it, not no. Heather, hold on, Heather, Willow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Willow. He plays like the main small person in, in uh, yeah i i Hello. recognized him immediately when i watched the oh, stranger really? and oh, then I, really? I looked him up and i'm like oh yeah he's had a bit of a career yeah, yeah you know what's funny when i when I, I didn't see willow at the time but like i watched the trailer at some point and i, I was like oh he's got makeup on they did something with his face or he's younger obviously mm -hmm. but like as soon as he opened his mouth i was like oh that's david for sure <laughs> and he was the coolest guy he was just a beautiful guy but i met him he, he worked the door at this place, the Crow Bar. It was like a gay bar on like, uh, Ave, it was on 10th Street, but okay. close to Avenue B. And I remember seeing him sitting out there and I met him there. And we got to talking and like, yeah, he agreed to come make this loopy movie with me. So I worked with him like a bunch of days. And the, the last time I saw him, I think was in 2007, I had to drive somebody home from downtown. They were like really drunk. And I was like very, very drunk, but like a little less drunk than him, like drunk less. <laughs> And I, it's his car, so I get behind the wheel and I'm driving up like, you know, Madison Avenue, rolling uptown. And then uh, I looked in the street and was crossing the street. I see David walking towards me. I pulled up right in front of him in the car. I said, David, how's it going? What's going on, man? Good to see you. He's like, ah, man, what's up? You know, he done me this whole spiel. We had a nice talk. And then I never, never saw him after that. And then I read many, he was already dead for eight or nine years. And I, and I read, uh, I looked him up on IMDb. Like I looked up uh, Willow. Willow is <laughs> Willow. Yeah, Willow. Yeah. I keep saying Heather's, but Willow. Um, it's kind of like almost the same thing in a way, you know. But like uh, <laughs> the Willow, I looked it up and I see that he had died. Though and there's his little picture, and and the girl uh, Elizabeth is uh, like the TV preacher. He ends up with like a girl, and there's a yeah. bird walking by. The girl. Is Elizabeth Miller. She's in the Mummy, but she mm -hmm. was supposed to play. Uh, she was. She played in the film. We shot the scenes of it. She played the stranger's psychiatrist, and it was all this like psychobabble okay. and stuff that was going on. But it weighted the film down. It was like it was like just too much. It's like one more person. But when it came to like the payoff was supposed to be now like he's at his moment of like uh, truth. There, he's going to go hang himself or whatever he's mm -hmm. going to do. He's going to burn the house down. And he's calling up his psychiatrist to like, you know, uh, get some solace from her or whatever. But she's with the TV preacher now. So now like it's two, <laughs> they're together. And it's that was what they I think it was. But like you watch it now, it's like, who is this bitch? Like this lady sitting there smoking a cigarette, like with this guy crawling around between her legs. But that's what it was. They, you were supposed to okay. know her already. She okay. wasn't supposed to come out of the blue. And there's some other weirdo things that happen in there that are unexplained, but like I can't think of them all, you know. But like, there's that was a few, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, there's such a surreal quality to it overall that I just kind of rolled with it that, when that, stuff yeah, like that happened. I'm just to, like, yeah, okay, okay. Is it that kind of movie you have to want to like it? Yeah. Some yeah. people will watch it and not want to like it. They don't want to like it, and they'll just like go take a note. I've never understood going into a film like that. No, no. Walking in not wanting to like it just makes. Why do it? <laughs> exactly thank you yeah yeah you know expect you know i i you know i don't expect it always to be great but it's like you know 
there's I look for something. There's got to be something in it somewhere. Yeah. The, the the things I'm happiest about in The Stranger when I look at it now is the train shots. Uh, because I really had to like you know now this is like all prior to 9/11. Where it's like right. my brother dropped me off on the highway. I'd walk into the marsh with a tripod and a camera. And I, was, and I, I remember going, he dropped me at the, like, the edge of like down by like where the, uh, the Holland Tunnel and Jersey City and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And all those trains and all the tracks and all the highways are there. What if they're walking up to the, walking up the tracks, getting up on the, like, you know, into the rafters and the thing, into the right. It was like no cops, no nothing. Nobody said anything. <laughs> Just, and that was it. I shot and, you know, but it was like a great, where the track would be shaken, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like it would be all that stuff going on we're like if you tried that now you they would taser you for certain but yeah immediately they, it's a different world, different world <laughs> they wouldn't want to know what you you're get up there in, the, in the 90s that was the day you can get away with like a lot of stuff right so i remember yeah. going under the turnpike too like shooting all that stuff mm-hmm. like where the big like the the, the the turnpikes up there on like the turnpike extensions up on the yeah pillars and uh that whole thing that's all fenced in now and if you went there now it's like it used to be like well you're not supposed to trespass like you know take the right to be a sign like this big hanging there now <laughs> it's like you try going there it's like you couldn't get away with that They'd yeah or you'd be on camera immediately and like uh either arrested or, or you'd probably be arrested more than mm-hmm. that for trespassing. probably yeah yeah or then it was just we did it you know we we're running around the tracks for the for like the, the, the waving to the engineer going by <laughs> <laughs> like you know a complete jerk offs you know but like no one seemed to mind it was all like you know well, if you get run over by the train <laughs> it's on you it's on you baby you know? and, uh, it, was, it was like it was like that kind of day it was just a much looser yeah much looser and a much more positive uh days like um like in the 90s it felt like there was like some kind of future waiting for us but now you know it's yeah like, i remember you know, i remember like, that i remember having hope yeah <laughs> more anxiety now it's like you know it was like a little chill moment like in the, in the 90s yeah so you know, it's like uh, so so what aside from making movies what do you do well you know uh, truth be known now that it's legal i was in the, the uh, cannabis business for since 1976 oh okay so the, i'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> oh yeah well you know i was actually gonna say earlier the the stranger watching the stranger i watched it straight and i watched it stoned (laughs) and it was like i watched it straight just to watch it and kind of take it in and then as i was watching i was like i gotta watch this stoned so then i waited i waited a while then i got stoned and watched it again i'm like oh yeah this is a good movie to watch (laughs) (laughs) that's funny you're flattering me now for sure but but like you know no it is man it just rolls so well but the monkey movie head, it has a little touch of head in it. It kind of like goes around in circles, you know what I mean? And like yeah. things from the past at the end of it and all this shit. Yeah. But yeah, it's that kind of movie. Was I was like, going to ask we about the there. monkey. How did you guys get a chimp? Oh, you know what? To this day, as far as like hourly wages went, that was still the most expensive star I ever worked. I would bet. <laughs> yeah, it was for $400 an hour. And then they left, they, they hung around for an extra half hour. Like they threw me a half an hour or two. Uh-huh. So like it was an hour and a half. And Tatum, we, we only, we paid her 20 grand, but she worked for, I think 12 of the days, like 12 or 13 of the days that, that we shot out of 17 days. She okay. shot it. She was there for most of it. So the monkey, uh, Casey the chimp, and I tell people, though it's not true, is uh, that uh, Casey the chimp that she saw when, when she was there with us, 
I was ahead of my time. I had her playing a male role, you know. <laughs> and then, um, so she was like doing a drag act. And then, uh, then she went on after that. So I said, then you think back about 15 years ago up in Connecticut, there was an incident where like a chimp tore some poor woman's face off. I said, that was Casey the chimp. Is that like, Casey? She got yeah. older. Yeah, when I was a kid though, when we were doing it, when we were for the stranger, the lady, the man and the lady were there explained to me like, you got the chimps you see in movies or the trips if you want to work with the chimp it's got to be a young chimp because mm -hmm. when they get to be six seven ten years old they can become very violent you know they don't know you and yeah casey was a very nice chimp and we had a good time with her but like she liked this one she didn't like that one you know right she didn't like me too much but she tolerated me just the same she figured i was like you know i had an important issue she perceived i was an important person right. you know? so she cooperated you know but like she didn't like but some people she took to she wanted to be held by them and she was like friendly or you know so she yeah knew what she liked she had her preferences and the, that was yeah she said we, we got her i i can't remember i think i found her probably in backstage oh okay looked the backstage yeah. like chimp and uh, yeah, the, ch the chimp angle, you know, it's like right. a really funny thing. <laughs> As if it needed to be pointed out, you know. <laughs> is, yeah. She's running around in Mark's shirt. And uh, and uh, at some point, it's funny, like, at, at the beginning of the thing, the, the, the chimp sticks its finger up its nose and like picks its nose, you know. And then later, like eats the snot. And then later in the film, I'm noticing like, oh, there's Mark. Like there's like after he kills the, the, the uh, David. <laughs> he's got this thing of snot hanging off his nose and he kind of sticks his tongue up there and goes blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it anyway so proving my point um so yeah this is like you know, it, i laugh i guess I, I see this stuff now and i laugh it's like it was like you know heady days for me it was yeah like, young man i'm learning all kinds of things and like i'm throwing this bullshit into these movies and, uh, you know, it was that. And that's what that movie is. It's like, you know, it was like really right. feeling my oats. I was like 31, 32, like feeling okay. like really like uh, my legs were under me. And like, you know, I'm off to the races. So like, <laughs> I threw the kitchen sink into it. Had to cut. I mean, I, I'm i going to be recommending Orbitrons and Teenage Mummy to pretty much all my friends who I know will enjoy those and, and get. Uh, even with Teenage Mummy, when I looked it up, the poster popped up and i'm like that's i was a teenage frankenstein it's the i was a teenage frankenstein oh, poster you know that homage i'm like this the guy, guy watches guy. movies the way i watch movies <laughs> yeah the guy the guy who made it was a guy pete Saccone. he was like a graphic artist but he was a musician uh -huh. and he was like you know i think he was like a renaissance man you know really in a way but like he um he was in a band like the vacant lot he was like a bunch of bands like in the 80s and 90s he was like a good musician and uh but he was a good artist and uh but he was all of that. It was like that. Those people who were into that, like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like they're into yeah. that stuff. They grew up on it. Yeah. And they, you know, they they like uh, Zachary and they like uh, Ed Wood and they like all of this stuff. And it's uh, and I was a teenage Frankenstein. You know, I liked it. That was the other thing I was going to ask about was the music because it's obviously important to you and it shows oh, in, yeah, yeah. in those early films like especially. Sound, yeah. yeah. Um, did you were you friends with a lot of musicians and that's how you got their music for the movies and things well what happened with me was you know i, I was a um i came into being like when the beatles hit mm -hmm. same time i was watching the eight millimeter frankenstein no not frankenstein used to wolfman having costello meet frankenstein mm -hmm. so it was in that moment so i like took the music i took to um 
like the classical music and then like the music, like the jazz music that you would hear in the films. So like I listened to a lot of music growing up and I loved the Beatles like all through those years. And like, you know, and then like I was the right age, like when punk happened, mm-hmm. so I was into that. And like, so like, you know, yeah, I spent a whole life in music. And at some point, you know, experimental type of music, like avant-garde or like prog music right. when I was a kid. But then I really found out about like the real like music scene in the 50s and 60s and like the electronic stuff and all this stuff, you know, and um so yeah, like I, you know, I'm a music fan, and uh, I have a guy David Biglin who I work with, who I met at a place House of Music. Um, it's a really beautiful studio, like in the Oranges somewhere, like up in South Mountain Reservation. Okay, like, and it was like that. It was just a beautiful place. If I used to go up there, I was like doing like selling uh, selling weed to the uh, to like celebrity people. to the musicians. <laughs> yeah, the musicians, fantastic. <laughs> Those are some of the great moments in the the business, you know. I ran across a photo of you. Um, it was you and a friend at a grave of a blues player at Woodlawn Cemetery. Oh, Does that and, ring uh, a bell? I Quebec. It was like that horn player. I Quebec. He was yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was my brother. Me and my brother probably. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but I Quebec. What were we talking about before? Oh, uh, just the music. The, oh, about the, the music. So yeah, yeah. David Diglin. I don't want to leave him out of it. He's like been with me like since uh, the Hearst movie. Okay. And uh, uh, so the guy's just a great musician. He's like, a, a, just, he can play anything really. And uh, he can arrange, he, he's just, he's got his chops, right. you know what I mean? And so I can pretty much tell him what I'm looking for. I could suggest an instrument or something. You know? I'm always looking for the concerto for like, you know, uh, uh, harp. Uh, you know, sit mm-hmm. par and, uh, you know, bassoon or something, you know, this kind of thing, these kind of arrangements. I like the, those kind of bassoons and oboes and that kind of stuff yeah. in the soundtracks. The, the Gollywood Cakewalk has a really nice soundtrack to it. It's a really like, yeah, it does. clarinet piece in it. And uh, so, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm like, in, I'm into that. And uh, and also, too, the early films, I was with uh, a record label called Buy Our Records. I don't know if you know this at mm-hmm. all, but like, no. Uh, the popular, like the most, the really the best band and the popular band that came out of it was Adrenaline OD. They were like, okay, yeah, hardcore I know them. Yeah. They're still, still playing. They're like, uh, they just wrote a book about them and like they're, they're, they were supposed to play in the pandemic. They were going to go play in some giant festival over in the in UK. Oh, cool. Uh, they were ready to but, go. But then, like, then the pandemic, then the pandemic happened. So yeah. Now they're playing at the Bowery Electric or something down here in November. But I oh, think cool. they'll probably pick that up next summer. But AOD. And the other guy that was from the label was uh, John Spencer. It was a band called Pussy Galore. Yeah, great John band. John Spencer went on to become like a, you know, like a pretty big like indie kind of. Yeah, Pussy Glore was a great underrated band, though. Yeah, they're popular. But their snare drum was like a gas tank, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah more or less. Yeah, yeah. The hell out of like it. a big fucking racket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, they were awesome. Like, and we did other bands, though, PMS and uh, you know, Honeymoon Killers and mm-hmm. Bedlam and all this stuff. So I was like involved in that. So I didn't know, you know, I knew musicians, but like, um, I don't, you know, I don't listen to too much of that kind of music anymore. I like, like, uh, but I think it's funny. I'm sitting here like uh, listening to a traffic record that I was listening to traffic, which is like hippie music. But you know, it's like easy for me to take. You know what I mean? It's yeah. No, I get it. I think pieces. it happens as we get older. Yeah. yeah you know, my yeah. Dead Kennedy albums are played less than less. And yeah, yeah. So you know, but I still have my turntable. I still have my records. And same. Yeah. You know, I'm listening away. You know, it's like yeah. So yeah, I got hip hip to music and like the a really big influence for me in music was as a kid 
was I had, it was like a Peter Pan label record of Prokofi of uh, Peter and the Wolf. Peter and the Wolf, yeah. A young person's guide to the audio, uh, orchestra on the other side. So I listened to a lot of that. Mm -hmm. and like, uh, that's something that's really relatable. Uh, that kind of a thing. I like that sound. Cool. Uh, so I'm thinking about the music. Right. <laughs> So I'm working, I'm working hard. And, I'm, and, and, and David Bigland, he, he's like, uh, will deliver me music randomly. I'll ask for something. And then like two years later, he'll like, you know. Cool. Because I'm not really asking the specific. I'm asking like, you know, make something this, like, you know, yeah. droning like sounds. And then it's like, he'll come up with it. It's like, you know, I'll put him to work for me. You know? And I can re, I, meanwhile, I could reuse anything he's given me too. It's just like cool. a ton of material. And the guy, guys, He's just a very good player. He's like, you know, I played three chords on a bass or like, you know, maybe on a right. guitar for a hot minute 40 years ago. But like, there's people that were like, there's levels of music like boxers, you know, there's levels sure. of like, you know, this guy's like a very serious guy, like a musician wise, you know, he's like a very serious man. Uh, yeah. That is, he has his chops. But... Why well, it's noticeable in the films as, as that was the one thing that really stood out more than anything else, aside from the sound actually being good was the music i'm like this guy's into music oh, it yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah. all over the place too like genre wise it's everywhere and i love it wasn't it. there you'd fall was... asleep you know <laughs> 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 i can see him with the drag on to nothing but, <laughs> but yeah no i you know yeah it's made for it and then these kind of movies are like you know they're, they're they're what are they if they don't have like a horror soundtrack to them right <laughs> right i mean like the uh, i was a teenage mummy there there's moments in it like the the moment in the bathroom at the beginning with all the guys in there i'm like i felt like i was watching That's a the gym. worst sound in it uh well you're in a bathroom it's all yeah, tile yeah. and porcelain it's good to bounce around like 40 feet high it was like a public <laughs> school yeah it looked like i was gonna ask it looked like an actual school bathroom yeah, it was, so it that's was. cool um but yeah watching that i was like i'm like this is I, I felt like that scene in female trouble um by john waters where divine and her girls are in there smoking and one of his great ones but... oh I, my favorite of his yeah, yeah. uh but i it reminded me of that scene where it's the juvies <laughs> oh, well, good, the good, juvies good. are in there <laughs> yeah you know and i know the scene yep and it, and it would yeah it would uh had a very 50s feel and everything to it i, I really enjoyed it we did our best with it, you know, and even like the, uh, with the, uh, you know, the 30 year old actors playing the 18 year olds or 70. It was just like watching Greece. Yeah. You, <laughs> it looked pretty like, you know, pretty mature, these kids. You know? <laughs> like a beer gut, on, you know, on Mark. And, then... <laughs> and uh, so you're, so you're, you're still restoring things. You're getting stuff out there. Uh, you got a sounds like you got a movie that you're you're looking to be making soon yeah, a documentary yeah. you're slinging up. weed are you do you grow or just sell no i've just uh, sold it through the years you know mm -hmm. but like once it became legal like you know and, and of course too like now i'm, I'm going to be 62 years old mm -hmm. and uh you know as it turns out your earning power goes down when you're like you know when you hit a certain age after 50 you're at the peak of your earning whatever power. narc no. i'm not going to buy from you yeah yeah i'm well past <laughs> i'm well past it now and it's like well people die and people disappear people like their doctors tell them you have to quit smoking immediately <laughs> you're gonna right. have emphysema or whatever you know whatever happens and it's just like you know how it goes so i don't you know i'm not uh like a mover and shaker like i once was but sure, i'm you know, sure. managing to survive and like yeah. you know I'm going to live through it. I won't collect social security till I'm uh, 67, probably. So yeah. see what happens. And I still, I still live in hope 
of that maybe one day uh, I may get some small payday out of uh, out of these films, you know. I mean, stranger, stranger things, things have happened, happened, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm I'm gonna make them as best as I can I can make them. I'll work on something new, and like you know, I have things that people never saw, like something like I said with the stranger. No one's ever really seen it, so it might mm -hmm. as well I might as well have made it yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Never had. So, uh, I mean, in in the end, when it comes down to it, making a movie is hard work, and hard work. and if you get one done, I, I think that's always an achievement. Yeah, and, you know, it, and it, you should be it, proud it, of that. Yeah, I think like uh, people think it's all very Hollywood, and it's like, well, these are pampered stars, and like you know, <laughs> the director's like some pampered jerk, and the producers, but it's. It, it is like that, maybe in some sense, but like not on any set I've ever worked on. No, I mean, like, like in the in the real world, struggling it's one guy really like, schlepping. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of schlepping and a lot of that kind of work going on. And it's not, you know, it's not easy work. Now, making no. Speed of the Rain was like the easiest thing I ever did because I didn't have to do anything physical, really. Right. People didn't want me like, you know, carrying the, you know, thousand watt lights and that, you know, it's like, yeah. not your job, you don't do that. You know, I mean, you stand there and stare at the notebook and like try to figure right. out where you're going. <laughs> So like that was like easy work like that because everybody else did the, the labor intensive stuff. But like, mm -hmm. you know, it's no easy thing getting everybody on one, you know, on the same page and like, you know, everybody pushing in the same direction. And the, you know. That was the first but, union film I worked on was eye opening to me because it was, um, you know, it was a really small, low budget thing, but it was a union crew, which I'd never dealt with. And I was just paying and it was uh, I just remember at one point it started raining and the sound guy was away from his stuff. And the camera crew was covering their camera with the plastic, but the sound stuff's still sitting there. I'm like, uh, you guys got any extra plastic for his stuff? I'm like, oh, that's his problem. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Plastic. I brought the plastic. I was, you know, I just threw my raincoat on top of it. I was like, I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, well, it could, it could save you. But I thought it's funny that you say that because I remember going into this saying to like uh, some of the people were talking idly, chattering around. And I said, yeah, you know, I kind of hope it does rain because, like, it'll add some atmosphere to things. It has, gives it a look, you know what I mean? But, like, right. sure enough, I got my wish because, like, we got a couple, of, like, big rainy messes out of it. Uh, and uh, the one, we were in the alleyway shooting the, when, he, when the Lorraine sees the, the, the mayor at the end of the alley. They say face okay. each other. And, and it's pissing rain there. And the camera, or, like, a lens got damaged or something during that. It was, like, I think it cost me, like, a thousand bucks. Like, there was water Yikes. leaking down onto the camera. It was, like, a complete mess. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> but it has an atmosphere, you know? It has right. <laughs> I couldn't afford a rain machine, you know what I mean? So, like, we got the real deal. But, like, there was a few a few moments where we got, like, rained and wouldn't stop. And it was, like, you couldn't really hang around and, like, take yeah. your chances on, like, well, let's, like, wait it out for an hour to there was no time for it to uh, up. You had to shoot it in the rain, and that's the end of the story. There's one scene with Peter and the Tatum just standing in front of this place, and like they got like wet, like shaggy hair, just standing out in the rain having a cigarette. Oh, you know, this is what we normally do. Like it's normal, you know. We'll stand here and get drowned. And have a butt. Uh, but they, they they were true. Ultimately, those guys they they were troopers, you know. Like they cool. Here we are, you know, we're making this movie. You want us to stand there and there, you know, whatever you want. Well, it looks like hell. You know, that's on you, Bubba. <laughs> so they did it and uh, awesome. we got it. So I'm still, you know, pushing away though. I'm like, you know, cool. I, I work as much as I can. You know, I, I hope for, for a better, you know, a good future. And then 
the years, the ride through it all the years, it's like, you know, my whole uh, life is it's caught up in it, my memories and all that. So I don't, uh, I don't regret one second of it. It was like the best, the best choice I made, you know what I mean? Cool. Whatever happens to me. I mean, now, not many people can say that. Yeah. You know? Well, it's not, you know, yeah, I could have, you know, I don't know what fate had in store for me, but like, you know, I could have been working in a factory though or something. Yeah. Very yeah. Or worse, an office. Or, or an office or, you know, unemployed and like just being a, like a druggie or like a ward of the state or whatever, anything. I'd, I'd actually I take either of those there. overworked in an office. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't imagine, but I couldn't imagine being locked up like that. It'd be like being in school uh, for being, oh. yeah, which was like the worst yeah. event of my life that I can think of. I'd rather be in a, in a Navy jail uh, than uh, in high school and so did you you went AWOL how did that how did that uh, conclude <laughs> <laughs> this is like turned into a scandal program I, I, I let that oh. go fast earlier I was like I gotta get back to that yeah yeah well no I'm happy to say it's a, you know it's funny not, you know and, and I'll tell you of all these things so I say oh high school was a terrible moment and all these other you know all these things that happened most moments are, are, are okay, really. And like the worst case scenario never happens. But like when I, when I was, I was AWOL and I was able for about two and a half years. And I was, uh, you know, I was living in Irvington, but I came up on my bicycle into Union. I went to a bookstore over there, a book review it's called. And I uh, pulled the, you know, I was sitting in the aisle, like reading a, uh, I was reading, uh, I was reading it at home, but now like I, I saw a new copy of it on the shelf, Fahrenheit 451. Okay. I was reading like the end of it. And I said, I was like, you know, the last 10 pages, I'm sitting there reading like what I, where I left off at home and the police started walking up and down the aisles. They looked at me and it was like, Mr. Frieri. And I said, no, that's my father. <laughs> and I said, you know, Mr. Frieri. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Mr. Frieri's like, you know, uh, you're, you know, you're AWOL from the Navy. It was like, yeah, how the I, fuck I did I, they find you? Well, a guy who had arrested me as a kid, a detective saw me and it, you know, he'd seen me around town because I, you know, my mother lived there. Mm -hmm. I lived in Irvington. I had all my friends were there. Yeah. I was around, you know, I wasn't like invisible. So I was just like hiding in plain sight. But the the, the military knows, I don't know about now, but like they wouldn't send out, like they put out an APB for you in all 50 states. Okay. They don't send anybody. They don't send any MPs or anything. They don't okay. send anything like that. But they haven't, so if you, when you mess up, you get a track, you get pulled over at a traffic stop or something, mm -hmm. they see your ID and they run it. And now it's like 1984 and the police were getting their first computers. <laughs> and he said he was going through the computers and he saw me on there. And he says, I see this prick around, you know what I mean? I'm going to go like, you know, if I see him again, I'm going to collar him, you know? <laughs> and so he saw me going into the book review and uh, sure enough, he arrested me. Like, well, like, you know, the, the police came in and here they arrested mm -hmm. me. And like, you know, I spent the night in in Union. And then they came up from Philadelphia, was the closest brig. Okay. They came up from Philadelphia and they took me to Philadelphia in a van. So I was locked up there for about five days. Then they flew me to, from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh to Mansfield, Ohio on an airstrip in this prop plane handcuffed but they had me handcuffed then from mansfield to chicago and then from chicago i went to denver from denver to los angeles or san diego i might have flown into san diego and that's where the brig was we picked up people as we went though <laughs> picking up guys as we went i remember driving through like the 
farmland out in Mansfield, Ohio, like uh, <laughs> picking up some guy like in this little tiny little jail. It's like Andy Griffith, uh, uh-huh. a little jailhouse in the middle of nowhere in the, in the farm belt. Uh, <laughs> so we bounced across town, across the country, and then I ended up locked up there. And uh, I guess they they held me like in the, in the dorm, and then the, they, they gave me my court martial like 40 days into it. Mm-hmm. It was like a 90 day sentence and I had already served like 40 something of them. Okay. And uh, so like then they'd make a prisoner out of you. So like once I was a prisoner now, like I have this, you know, I was a detainee, now I'm a prisoner. And I ended up in the dorm and they made the, li- I became the librarian. The librarian was leaving. Okay. So they, you could ask them for the job, you know, I take the job, you know. <laughs> so they, they, everybody agreed they can be the librarian. So I got like the best job in the brig. Cool. <laughs> I didn't have to go and I'll tell you, I'd be sitting there reading like uh, Kurt Vonnegut or something that could oh, yeah. the window and I'd see guys being marched in leg irons being marched out like with sledgehammers to go break up like the foundation of a building like you know, spend the day like in the 100 degree heat like, oh. breaking up foundations and I'm sitting in the, sitting in the library uh, dusting the shelves with like a you know <laughs> little feather duster or whatever they can be <laughs> you know having the polish the floor once a month kind of shit and, right uh, and, then that's it. and then on labor day uh is when i got out it was like that was my last day and they said that they come and, and, and the funny thing when you're locked up uh it's all like well you know how many more days do you got well i got 32 days and a wake up and it was right like make up attached to it and at some point it was like well now i just gotta wake up and sure enough they came in and said like put your dress whites on you have to get in your dress whites and they, they checked you, they shook everybody's hand, you know, give everybody mm-hmm. like a goodbye and off you went. And uh, I went to Disneyland uh, after it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a guy, I was, I was like, I mean, you're there. Yeah, I was there. I was friends with a guy with a car, like he came, picked me up. He knew I was getting out. He was like my, my cellmate for a while. Okay. And there they keep you in, when you first get there, they put you in a cell in front of a camera, like in front of the guard station. Okay. They want to watch you for a week to see if you're like suicidal or how screwed up you might be, like if mm-hmm. you're having a nervous breakdown or whatever. Then they <laughs> shift you back to the second cell block, and now you're with like people are back there, but everybody's got their own cell, you know. But it was hot. At some point, they wheeled in fans on either end of the block. Sure. And in the back of the block, they have like the solitary confinement. They have like the uh, the uh, padded cell, like for mm-hmm. like when people are cracking up, they shove you in a padded cell. And then, like the, the nice thing I remember about that is then at some point they had you work and it was like a service week thing where they uh, you had to work in the mess hall. So you had to wake up early and woke up like at 3.30 in the morning and you had to go right. to the whole day there. So you're in the mess hall. But at some point I got the job of like, it was just for a week, but I was my job was like I would deliver to, to people in the cell block. I would bring food around and yeah. I would bring it back to the people that were in solitary back there there was two uh, there was one guy who was a solitary but there was other guys that were one guy was a a murderer and an accessory to murder like uh Jeez. some guy to death like uh, somebody one guy beat the guy to death so the other guy covered up for him but like Jeez. somebody witnessed the guy that that bludgeoned the guy in the shower fully dressed like washing the blood and the muck off of his clothes uh so this guy was gonna. This guy's probably still locked up in the, in the military. There's like, yeah. no, there's no parole, uh, none of this action. It's like, you know, right. forty years. Like, uh, if, if you're gonna be serving forty years, like, unless like you're dying at the end of it, and then right, they might let you out. But um, so, yeah, but I remember slipping those guys. They were like, uh, there was guys on bread and water too, and I would slip them a peanut butter and jelly, 
tell me you got to flush that all down the toilet and the rat, the little containers, you know? Right. Like, yeah, there's my jailhouse stories, you know? <laughs> yeah. But as I said, it's happy now. When you're there, it's miserable, though. Sure, sure. Today, the time moves so slowly. Nothing happens, you know? It's like every day you're sitting there, and it's like, yeah. it really kind of sucked. Did you regret going AWOL when you were doing that, or were you like, no, yeah, I regret, I regret is... joining the Navy, uh, like, in the first place, because yeah. I, I, I was having a good time here. My town, where I was, it was like a really like a dead end life for me. It would have been, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I was already saw where it was going. There was already people starting to die there on me, like uh, like there were young kids, you know. And it was like that. It was a drug scene, and it was like, yeah, know, there was a lot of criminality and a lot of like a lot of these old guys. They ended up going to jail and all that. Yeah, uh, you know. So yeah, my at my old job, we worked with Irvington Police Department, and oh, uh, that was a, a dangerous place. A yeah. Friend of mine took a call once from them and he uh he said we did customer service with them and he said uh, yeah where are you calling from and he goes the middle of a fucking war zone oh <laughs> yeah yeah irvington yeah. <laughs> yeah irvington i think that like the state police had to take over down they there. did i think so the yeah to the 2000s like mm -hmm. uh because you know it became dangerous like that border part of the town by newark mm -hmm. there was a lot of activity yeah. down there a lot of drug a lot of gang activity you know it's, yeah uh, to be expected but uh those those towns though like newark and irvington and essex county in general like uh, those are like you know, yeah i feel very comfortable and happy there like i love visiting uh i love a little trip through irvington or whatever cool it's all happy memories attached to the place and my apartment there was was a real happy place to live it's in the later cool. mosque the the hippies apartment in the thing uh, okay you'll see it it's like the apartment. yeah uh, that was like it was a nice big you know middle class kind of a place uh room you know like the yeah. bedroom was a substantial room you know it wasn't like you know yeah. in a, like a broom closet that i sleep in now you know in new york wow do you want to tell listeners how to find your movies oh well they're on a lot of them are on vimeo a couple of them with codes on them but like they're mostly on there for free so it's so if they just go ghost on vimeo and look for ghost limb films ghost limb films or okay. chris brieri i think okay. it's up there is Chris Brieri slash Ghostland Films or, or vice versa. I'll put a link Vimeo, up on the Ghostland. on the podcast page. I'll put a link up when I post this. So oh, that'd be great. Yeah, sure, you know, there's, sure. there's a lot of stuff on there. I mean, like a lot of them are on there. Some stuff is like codes because they're kind of like not done yet or like mm -hmm. um, whatever, whatever, whatever. I was thinking when I put them up, but like I'm working on stuff. But like uh, the Strangers, yeah. the latest, the Flater Moss is going to get uh, you know it's really close to the end now it's 19 mm -hmm. minutes i think i have like three minutes left of the the easy work and then i gotta like finagle some other stuff on there but like that'll be up there you know i'll have a better version of that up soon and the the mummy and the orpatrons they're all up there and sweet lorraine's there so i recommend plenty, to all our listeners if you're if you're into cult film these are must-sees you got to check them out um they're they're unique they're absolutely singular um i don't think anybody else could watch it and try and remake it it would never happen uh they <laughs> That's are why i never worry about anybody stealing my script so <laughs> 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 think that you know i think i, I you know they, they they look and go like well i think this has been done to perfection already <laughs> here we are a stranger we don't have to remake that one so it's a maybe you know Maybe that might be to my detriment, you know. So my payday may never. Come. I I don't know, man. I I would I would pay money for it. So. Well, that's kind <laughs> you of you, you, have, you have good, obviously have good taste. 
and a very very nice beard by the way too oh thank you yeah this started in the pandemic and now it's just kind of become its own entity so <laughs> wish i had that on my head though. yeah i know me too <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. This was great. I'm glad we got this worked out to be able to meet and talk like this. Uh, I'm really uh, I'm grateful for you to find me, really, because oh. you know, it's not like uh, people are like searching for me all over the place. So like you found me and it's uh, very kind to you to give me the time. And uh, I'm happy well, to I do enjoyed it. it. You're hopefully welcome, man. We'll I'm happy to do it. Hopefully we'll talk again at some point. And, and that would be great. Keep me in mind for my trip to, to Indianapolis. Absolutely. I want to tell you too, before I hang up, is I, I did pass through Indianapolis once. I'm, when I was going AWOL. It's the best way to do it. It all ties. Yeah, it was all ties back to that. I took. I got on a bus in, in Seattle, and I rode all the way across the country. And I, that's why I associated with Chicago because I think they were next to each they're, other. They're about three hours apart. Yeah. And I pulled into Indianapolis at night though, so I really didn't get to hang around. But I hung around like the Greyhound station, bro. Uh, there's not much country. around. There's a great strip club over by it back in the day. Yeah. So, yeah. It, was like a, it was a short. Yeah, yeah, it was a short layover, 1984, and it was. Or what am I talking about? 1981. And it was yeah, a, there was, the, there was, where it was, there was this nightmare of a strip club. There was like a stabbing every night. It was, oh, it was yeah, the I missed best the boat. Time. I missed the boat. I was <laughs> just passing through, but that was my like Indi Indianapolis experience. Uh, so I, you know, I hope to visit again, but was, is there any like strip clubs or like, you know, uh, stabbings and stuff going on still? Uh, uh, no, just a lot of shootings. Shootings we, now? <laughs> we're rivaling. I think we've beaten Chicago for, oh, for really? like a yearly murder rate. Yeah. 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 It's going I great won't make here. light of that, but like, you know, but you know, like that yeah. the aesthetic of that was always like, uh, you know, as long as like the bullets weren't flying at you, it was like, well, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like 42nd Street or something. It was like, yeah, that's your place. But now it's like you couldn't get mugged there if you tried. But the, or maybe you could, you know, maybe you could. Yeah. Maybe in a few more years, I'll be able to as I get older. Like There I'll you go. Dare to dream. The other side of my face. <laughs> thank you again, uh, Dylan. You bet, Chris. Very nice of you, man. I'll, I'll see you again soon. Definitely. Thanks, Keep Chris. Touch, bud. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. That's Chris Frieri and Ghost Slim Films. Make sure you check them out. Um, especially, I Was a Teenage Mummy and The Orbitrons. They're both just fantastic really fun watches they're only about 45 minutes each a lot of fun check them out hey uh next up it's going to be joe castro the fx artist we talk about what it's like being an fx artist what got him there he's a really cool dude i like him a lot uh that's all hey get back out in the world and take care of your servers because at the walter paisley movie house we do not piss on hospitality See you next time, kids.